Yeah, that's pretty good, wasn't it? Guys, I thought maybe we could open a new grooming salon and we could do this for hire. <laughs> I bet we could get some women that would work for free. <laughs> I thought that was pretty bad. Um, I, you know, I was doing a little research of my own this week on Father's Day stuff because I knew I was going to get to share with you just a little bit. And funny thing, I ran across... Um, this top ten list of lame brain, foot-in-the-mouth compliments that fathers tend to say to their wives. And I thought you might enjoy this. Top ten lame brain things. Guys, I don't know if any of you have ever said anything like this. Number ten, you look great for a woman who has four kids. <laughs> Number nine, this is almost as good as mom used to make. Uh, okay, number eight. Thanks for the new shirt. It'll be great for working on the car. Number seven. That's a great new hairdo, honey. How much did it cost? <laughs> number six. Wow, I never knew you could sing that close to pitch. I never say that to my wife. Number five. I like it when you wait until halftime to vacuum. <laughs> number four. What do you want me to say? Okay, you look fabulous. Okay. Number three, this um, meatloaf is a neat color. <laughs> Number two, yes, honey, that actress is beautiful, but you're pretty on the inside. <laughs> yeah, guys, don't ever. And number one, wow, that makeup works wonders. <laughs> Um, happy Father's Day, dads. And um, it's like I always tell my mother on Mother's Day, Mom, you wouldn't be a mom if it wasn't for me. So, dads, you wouldn't be dads if it wasn't for those little rugrats that are running around giving you a hard time. And I just want to say that it's a good thing for us to honor our fathers. I understand that for some of you, Father's Day may not have the most pleasant uh, connotation or memories, but I want to ask you to get beyond that today. And if you have to, if it's the only way that you can celebrate Father's Day, look to God to be the Father for you. Because God's a much more, infinitely more capable and able Father than any earthly father. So if, if it works for you, honor your earthly father. But if you need to, just focus all your attention on saying Happy Father's Day to God today. We're continuing our series of God Is. And uh, this is part of a global, really global Christian initiative as I shared with you last week, there are over 1,800 churches that are participating in the God Is series, um, varying messages from uh, significant pastors around the world. And uh, the, they represent over a million people that are going to churches in different places around the globe. And so we're really excited to be a part of this. Today, I have the privilege of sharing with you, in 30 minutes or less, who God is. What kind of a challenge is that, huh? How would you like to be assigned the task to say, okay, I want you to get a group of people together and I want you to tell them who God is, describe your impression of God, your understanding of God. You've got 30 minutes or less to do that. And actually, I've got a little bit less than that. Not very long to really 
adequately cover the entire concept of who God is. But today I want to focus in on one thing. I want to bring us down to, to just a, a simple truth, I think, that can help us. And I'm going to give you some things that I help, think will help you to understand who God is and to allow Him to be God in your life. I want to start it from this premise. You remember when Mary was about to give birth to baby Jesus. And uh, the angel came to her and she said, uh, fear not. Or the angel said, fear not, uh, Mary, because you're about to, to give birth. And she looked at the angel and said, hey, no, man, I can't give birth because I've never been with a man. And she said, don't worry about that. God's got it taken care of. And she said, this is what the angel said to, to Mary. The angel said, to prove this to you and to verify what I'm saying is the truth to you, you remember your cousin Elizabeth who's barren, who's been unable to have children? Well, she's already six months pregnant. And then the angel follows up with these words for, from Luke chapter 1, verse 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. For nothing is impossible with God. That's the premise that I want to take, I want to kind of springboard from today. And I want you to get a hold of that truth. And I want you to begin to open your mind and open your thinking to the possibility that this is really true. That God is big enough. God is powerful enough. God is great enough for nothing to be impossible for Him. Now, you know, if you spend much time around church, you know that it's popular and it's kind of the culture to talk like that and to, and to pretend like you get that concept. But I wonder how many of us really allow that concept to penetrate our hearts. I wonder how many of us allow that concept that nothing is impossible, nothing is impossible with God to really get down to the inner core of our being. And today I want to give you some things that are going to, I hope, help you to allow that to get all the way deep down inside of you and to take root in your core. And I'm going to do that by sharing three stories with you and then some verses to go along with those. And I'm going to give you three points that I hope that you can help, help you remember about how God is greater. First of all, we're going to talk to today a little bit about how God is greater than your problems. Now, how many of you in here have problems? Can you be honest with me? Oh, yeah. It's not so, not so hard to do it when you know everybody in the room's got problems. But, you know, the reality of where we are today in our culture, our society, and where we've come to economically as a people, I know that the vast majority of you in this room are facing some pretty significant problems in your life. I'm pretty convinced that today we could walk every one of you across this stage with a microphone and you could begin to lay out for us your problems and we could be here for a week just listening to the problems that the people in this room face. Financial problems. How many of you are having a problem? Well, they don't raise your hand. How many of you are having a problem with, with money right now? How many of you are having a problem with foreclosure right now? How many of you are having a problem with unemployment right now? How many of you are having a problem with bankruptcy right now? How many of you are having a problem with your retirement right now? How many of you are having a problem with your relationships right now? How many of you are having a problem with your attitude right now? How many of you are facing despair and discouragement and fear and lack of hope? I could go on and on and on. The reality is that every one of us are facing problems. And I want to say to you today that God is greater than your problem. 
I'm going to start out by telling you this story from the book of Exodus, chapter 13 and 14. If you just want to make a note of it, go back and read this yourself. I'm not going to put a bunch of verses on the screen for you on this one because I just want to tell you the story. You're probably familiar with the story, but I want it to use to, to remind us of how great God is. You remember when Moses was leading the people out of Israel. Now they had, the people had been in slavery and bondage for over 400 years or out of Egypt. The, the Israelites had been in Egypt for over 400 years. And God rose up Moses, the great leader, to come and be their deliverer and to deliver them out of bondage into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And as you remember the story, most of you know this story, Moses began to uh, uh, communicate with Pharaoh to get the, the children of Israel out of Egypt. And Pharaoh was resisting, and so God sent a plague. You remember that? He sent the plague of the lice and the frogs. And God sent a total of ten plagues upon the people of Israel or Egypt and the, the children of Israel. Ten plagues came upon the land in a way to convince Pharaoh that he needed to let the Israelites go. Let my people go. Remember that? Let my people go. Let them go into their freedom, out of captivity into freedom. Now, God is orchestrating all this. He's putting it all together. And finally, you remember the tenth plague, the Passover, where the death angel came? And if you didn't have the blood of the lamb put across the doorpost, the firstborn of both your, your family and your animals, all your livestock even, died. And it happened to Pharaoh. His firstborn son died because he didn't obviously didn't believe in that stuff. He didn't put the blood over the doorpost. And his son died. And finally, out of just utter despair, he'd finally gotten to the end of his rope. He said, okay, Moses, you can go. Take the Israelites out of Egypt. You guys get out of here. We don't want anything to do with you. So the Israelites packed up, about six million of them by most accounts, packed up and they headed out into the wilderness. And they get out into the wilderness a little ways and God directs them not on the shortest path to the promised land, but on a long path. How many of you have ever been directed by God on a long path? You wanted to go to the promised land. You believe God's directing you to the promised land, but He doesn't take you on the shortest path, which is a straight line from point A to point B. Instead, He moves them around and He takes them out through the wilderness. Now the children of Israel are going out through the wilderness and they come upon the Red Sea. You know this story? They come up on the Red Sea and they can't cross the Red Sea because it's a sea. And there's six million people and there just aren't that many ferries to get them across. So they're, they're camped there at the Red Sea. And one of the scouts says, hey, Moses, look back there. And they look over the horizon and there's a cloud of dust. And it's the Egyptian soldiers who are now who have left Egypt and they've had a change of heart and they've come after the Israelites. And they said, we don't like this. We've, we've let our slaves go. We can't get any of our labor done. We've got to go back and get these people back. So Pharaoh puts his army together and they take off chasing the Israelites. And there's this huge cloud of dust out there with the soldiers bearing down on them. The Israelites suddenly begin to realize their situation. These are people who've been in slavery for 400 plus years. They don't know how to fight. They're not warriors. They're slaves. And they, they find themselves faced with the sea on this hand and the Egyptian soldiers on this hand. They're, they find themselves in the middle of that proverbial rock in a hard place, right? Nothing to do. So what do they do? They turn to Moses and they say, Hey, Moses, what are you doing? Why are we here? You know what, Moses? This isn't good. It would have been better for us to stay alive back in Egypt as slaves than it would have been to come out here in the wilderness and die as free men. 
Moses said, wait, just calm yourselves. Then I think he probably goes behind the bush and he says, God, what are you doing? And God said, Moses, tell the people to move forward. And Moses, under the direction of God, now I want you to understand the situation, the reality of this situation. You stand in this place in the camp beside the sea and there is nowhere to turn. There is hopelessness this way. There is death this way. And there's nothing more but the same both of these ways. There's no way to go. There's no resolution in sight. And Moses stands up under the direction of God and he lifts his hands up over that sea. And the Red Sea parts. And the Scriptures say that there's a wall of water that comes up on both sides. And an east wind blows strong through that path and it dries the ground out and six million Israelites get up and walk across the Red Sea. I want to take you back to nothing is impossible with God. And it gets better than that because as they get into the the middle of the sea, they turn around and look. And the Egyptian soldiers say, well, that was pretty cool, but we're still going to get our slaves back. And they charge into the sea too. And as the last Israelite gets out on the other side, God tells Moses to lower his arms and the sea comes crashing back in on him. And the Bible says that every one of those Egyptian soldiers died. Every one of them that was in the water died. Now I want to say to you, God knows things that you don't know. And I know, and you know, that you are facing problems. And some of you are facing what seems to be insurmountable problems. Problems that have no relief in sight. Problems that there is nothing on the horizon that could possibly resolve this situation. And I want to say to you today that God is greater than your problem. God has a way to step up to the plate and make something happen that you didn't even think of. God has a way to deliver you when you're stuck between the rock and the hard place. Some of you are facing relationship issues that you cannot find a way to resolve. I want to tell you, God's got a resolution. God is greater than your problem. I want to share a verse with you. Last week on the message we heard from Andy Stanley, he talked about that old black preacher reading, or quoting Romans 8:28. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. But if you continue on down that chapter, same chapter, just a few verses farther down in verse 37, we read these words. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced... This is Paul writing to the church at Rome. He says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Paul said, I am convinced. I don't care what it is. I am convinced to the core of my being that not even death 
itself can separate me from the love of God. God is that much bigger than your problem. He is that much bigger than any problem that you can possibly face. I want to tell you another story. Because not only is God bigger than your problem, but God is greater. God is much, much greater than even your perceptions. You have ideas about the way things are. You have ideas. You and I both. We have ideas about the, not the way things are and the way things should be. But God is greater than your perception. And I want to tell you another story. From the book of Second Kings in your Bible, if you want to make a note of that, you can go back and read this story. The prophet Elisha was a great prophet in the land of Israel. And he was counseling the king of Israel at the time. And the Arameans were pursuing the Israelites and they were trying to kill them. They were in battle. They were in war. And God began to re- reveal to the prophet Elisha where the Arameans were. And every place the Arameans went, the king of Aram found out that the Israelites were already there. They were already prepared. They already knew what was going on. And, they, and he got frustrated. He said, who in my camp is, an, is given inside information to the other side? And somebody in his camp said, no, sir, we don't have a leak in the camp. What we have is a prophet of God for Israel named Elisha who is being given insight by God Himself and delivering that word to the king of Israel. So the king of, the king of Aram and the Arameans said, you know what, we're going to take care of this. This is our problem. So instead of going after the whole nation of Israel, we're going to take our armies and we're going to go get Elisha, the man of God. Because if we can knock him out, then we've gotten rid of our leak and we can continue on our path. So they put together a plan where they figure out where Elisha is and they bring all of the armies up around Elisha and they camp out around Elisha. They circle him. They, they um, um, circle him. <laughs> they surround him. They're all around him. And so Elisha is there with his servant and, and Elisha's sleeping and his servant wakes up and he looks out and he sees the airman soldiers all the way around him, 360 degrees, no way out. Now, the servant begins to panic. And he runs and he wakes Elisha up and he said, Elisha, we're in trouble. Elisha said, what's going on? He said, the Arameans have surrounded us. They're all around us. They're in a big circle around us. <laughs> we can't get out of here. There's no way out. We're going to die. And Elisha said, no, we're not going to die. Because Elisha knew God. Elisha knew how great God was. Elisha knew that God was greater than the perception that the servant had. Elisha, Elisha prayed. And this is what he said. God, would you blind the Arameans and would you open the eyes of my servant? And the Aramean armies all surrounded Elisha went blind. And Elisha's servant's eyes were opened to see things that he had never known before. And what was revealed to him by God was that there were angels and chariots all surrounding the Arameans. Angels of the Lord that were there to fight on Elisha's behalf. Now folks, this is not some fairy tale. This is the Bible. And I want to say to you, nothing shall be impossible with God. 
Nothing is impossible for God. And when God is bigger and greater than your problems, God is also greater than your perceptions because there are things going on in God's world right now that you don't have a clue about. You have a perception. I have a perception about the way things are. God has a much greater perception. I want to read another verse to you from 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, verse 20 says this, For God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. Let me bounce back to your problems for just a minute. You know those problems that, that we're all facing? Some of them, for some of you in this room, your problems may not be that bad. You may be saying, well, you know, this, this message really isn't for me, but I can guarantee you there's a lot of people in this room who would say, boy, that truth hits me right where I live. My problems are great. I want to say to you, according to God's Word, according to the Bible, 1 John chapter 3, verse 20, God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. You've got a perception about the way things are that comes from your heart, that comes from the inner being of who you are. And you see things the way that you understand them for now. But the Bible says that God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are much, much higher than our thoughts. God is greater than our perception. God is greater than our heart. God is greater. And finally, I want to say to you that God is greater than your possibility. You know, for most of us, uh, at some point in our lives, Maybe when we came out of college or high school. Maybe when we got married or had our first kids. At some point in our life, we recognized that we had hit adulthood and that the future was before us and that there were possibilities. And we all had dreams and we had hopes. And deep down inside of us, we all knew that we could become somebody or something. And that we could do something. And we were all driven by that at some point in life. For some, it may have been very grandiose and very noble. For others, it may have been very modest. But there was still something inside of us at one point in time that said, I've got possibilities. I've got opportunities in front of me and I'm going to live up to those. Let me tell you another story. You remember when the disciples walked with Jesus. And many of those disciples were common men. They were fishermen, a lot of them. And Jesus would walk up to them and they were, they were fishing. And He'd walk up to them and He'd say, Hey, you guys, come follow me. And the Bible says that they laid their nets down and they literally walked away from their entire lives. They walked away from their careers. They walked away from their families. They walked away from everything they knew. Everything that made sense to them. They turned around and they walked away, with it, away from it to follow Jesus. You know why they did that? Because when they were standing there with fishnets in their hands, and Jesus walked up and said, follow me, they saw in Jesus possibility 
that they never saw in themselves. And so they followed that possibility. And for a couple of years, they went everywhere with the man. They gave up everything for him. Everything. They went everywhere to follow him. They did what he did. They slept where he slept. They walked where he walked. They watched him perform miracles. And all through this time, their hopes continued to build and rise. This is the Messiah. The evidence is strong. This is the Messiah. And for these disciples, the possibilities began to grow immensely. Oh, my goodness. And do you understand what their perception was? Their perception was a political leader. A leader of the people. A leader of the government. A leader of the nation that would overthrow their enemy. So at that time was the Roman Empire. The possibilities were huge. And then comes that lousy trip into Jerusalem where Jesus washes their feet and gives them, serves them communion and said, one of you is going to betray me. And the first thing you know, they look up at their leader with all this possibility and he's hanging on a cross with blood dripping out of his hands and his feet, a crown of thorns on his head, a sword in his side, and him being mocked and humiliated. And these guys realized that everything they had given their life to for the last two, three years was dying right up there on that cross. And hopelessness set in. But we all know the end of the story because Jesus beat death. And God restored possibility to these men. And these disciples became the apostles that literally launched the church around the world. They changed the face of history. Even our calendar is somehow tied to that. The calendar for the entire globe is tied to that event. And these guys were a part of it. But you know, there was a space of time there where the possibilities seemed to be dead. And I want to say to you today, God is greater than your possibility. God is greater than your problem. God is greater than your perception. And God is greater than your possibility. Let me share this verse with you from Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to back up and read just a few verses ahead of this, but I want you to, if you make a note, Ephesians 3.20 is what you want to write down. I'm going to read a few verses leading into it. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom His whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. 
and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You know how much that is? No, you don't. (laughs) I don't either. We don't know how much is the measure of the fullness of God. But Paul's prayer is that we would know that. And it's God's heart that we would know it. And then in verse 20 he says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Now leave that verse up for a minute, guys. Now to him who is able to do what? Immeasurably more. The old King James says exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think. Anything you can imagine, God can do more. Anything you can think of, God is greater. Whatever problem you're looking at, God is greater. Whatever perception you're locked into and you're bound by, God is greater. Whatever possibility you've set for yourself and capped yourself at, God is so much greater than that. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to what? To His power that is at work within us. And there's your key, ladies and gentlemen. His power, this great, great God has a power that is at work within us. One other verse to share with you. 1 John chapter 4. Verse 4 says this. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one who is in you is greater than the one that is in the world. I want to tell you today, folks, we miss it. We don't get it. We don't understand how much greater God is. And today, my heart's cry to you is to embrace the truth that nothing, you just imagine it, you imagine it, and God will say, nah, I got that. Nothing is impossible with God. Either the Bible's true or it's not, and I believe it's true, and I believe there's enough evidence throughout history. I believe there's enough evidence in the lives in this room to know that that's truth. Nothing is impossible for God. Today, folks, here's what we've got to do. We've got to allow the God in us to get out. The power of God that works in you can do immeasurably more than you can ask or think. So you give me 25 minutes and ask me to tell you who God is, I'm going to tell you God is greater. Pray with me. God, I can't begin to, I can't begin to get my head around who you are and how great you are and how powerful you are and how mighty you are. I can't begin to grasp or comprehend the height of the depth of the width, the breadth, the length 
I can't begin, God, to even imagine your glory. But today, God, by faith, I choose to embrace your godness. And I choose to believe that as a Christ follower, your power dwells within me. And I choose to believe today, God, and I choose to walk out and I choose to apply it to my life and I choose to allow it to be manifested or revealed in me that you are greater. That nothing is impossible for you. And I choose today, God, to glorify you with my life. In Christ's name, amen.